you for listening to Let the Right Films In, your podcast on the IMDb 250. We're in the boredom-killing business. I am your host. They told me I had to talk about Network this week. I asked them why, and they told me it's because, well, you're on a podcast, dummy. So here I am. I'm Tyler Hannon. With me today is Winter Pleasure. Winter Passion. Damn it. <laughs> With me today is Winter Passion, Kayla St. Ange. Hey, guys. And we have a very special guest today. It is an angry prophet denouncing the hypocrisy of our times, Jordan McNaughton. How do you do? (laughs) How are you today? Angry! (laughs) Apparently, if you're mad, you just have to yell. That is how you convey your yelling. And then you get an Oscar nomination. Yes. And then you win the Oscar. Unfortunately, we do have to kill you for you to get that Oscar, Jordan. I'm so sorry. It's okay. How important is your art to you? Uh, very. I will okay, cool. Nope, Please nope. bury me with my, my uh, award, though. Yeah. That's my only oh, we're going to have to keep him on ice for a while. The Oscar ceremony isn't for a few months still. No, this is perfect. It'll give everybody time to be, like, really sad about his death. Yeah. And then it'll be, like, it'll build to such a fury point that, like, if he doesn't get the Oscar, there will be a literal revolt. We've really yeah. got to nail the marketing on this. Mm-hmm. Fortunately, Jordan and I both took marketing classes for our major. Jordan actually has a posthumous plan outlined on his <laughs> laptop for us. I mean, you got you to gotta be prepared. It, some people, they have wills. I, nope. I just have a uh, a corkboard full of string and pictures of what I want to happen. <laughs> Specifically to get an Oscar. <laughs> Specifically to get an Oscar. Yeah, usually people are trying to find criminals, but it sounds like you might be willing to commit crimes to do this. But, yeah. You know. Is our oh, well. crime? After your well, you know, I'm sure there will be plenty of conspiracy theorists who will have their own corkboards, and one of the corks on their board will be your corkboard extravagance with the yarn and stuff you know all that aside from all of that (laughs) jordan have you watched anything good recently i have i watched the classic film 10 things i hate about you for the first time this week and i loved it it is one of the greatest movies ever i would just love to hear your thoughts about this uh I thought the performances were great. I was overwhelmed by the amount of uh, actors and actresses that I recognized but didn't really know. Uh, the lead, uh, Julie Stiles? Julia Stiles? Julia Stiles, yes. Yes. I saw her in an independent film, It's a Disaster, also starring David Cross of Ooh. Mr. Show fame. And it was pretty I've cool. Uh, it was it was a, another dark, satirical comedy about the end of the world. Um but that movie, Ten Things I Hate About You, the the soundtrack, the the female fronted alt rock, uh, yeah. gotta have it. It's called Letter, Letters to Cleo is the band. <laughs> okay, okay. I absolutely love. That's one of my favorite movies of all time, and I 100% think that Julia Stiles' character in that movie is the reason that I <laughs> like am a feminist today. <laughs> to be honest, she is everything I aspire to be. I wish I had actually been like her in high school. <laughs> I wish I had dated Heath Ledger. So, <laughs> I mean that too. <laughs> R.I.P. 
<laughs> but yeah, no, I actually um, last I don't remember exactly when it was, but I rented that movie so that Tyler could watch it because Tyler had never seen it. And like the tragic Philistine that he is, he fell asleep halfway through as he is <laughs> so very likely to do almost all the time. How dare you? <laughs> it's not untrue. I work a regular adult nine to five job, and it is not my fault that I fall asleep at a reasonable time. Are you saying I don't have an adult job? I'm saying that you don't fall asleep at a reasonable time. (laughs) I work night shift, so that makes perfect sense. Well, you know what? Anyway, we're not talking about that right now. We're talking about how 10 Things I Hate About You is a great feminist achievement in film history. Absolutely. Uh, I did love the moment. I turned uh, to my girlfriend, Allie, like, at she's reading the poem and i was like i bet this is we're gonna hear the title and then we don't the title is implied (laughs) so she definitely lists some things she hates about him (laughs) i didn't i didn't count how many i was really like i was really hoping that she was gonna say it and then turn to the camera (laughs) just give us a meaningful look I feel like that really would have cemented it but (laughs) alas they went for the more tactful route ugh I th- I th- I think my biggest thought on this movie is that uh, the the douchebag guy. I kept thinking he was Mario Lopez, but he was not <laughs> Mario Lopez. That's the biggest takeaway I have. His face is like so thin to be Mario Lopez. <laughs> but you know he. Just Wait, seemed... no! I just realized I was actually picturing George Lopez. Oh, <laughs> 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 Sorry. <sighs> no, never mind. Mario Lopez does make sense. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> have you watched anything else good have I watched any, can we talk about television yeah absolutely oh, cool okay so i've been watching a lot of television uh mostly involving superheroes one of the shows is very good uh the flash we don't have to talk about that i'd rather talk about the less good one gotham if, have either of you watched that show i have very carefully not watched that show i kind of meant to watch it because i really like uh well okay i don't know i don't know if i really like ben mckenzie but i really liked the oc when i was younger and everybody else from the oc has been a terrible disappointment to me (laughs) so i just want like one of them to get it right (laughs) he's he's doing okay He's doing. I've never seen the OC. I'm interested to watch it. Um, I yeah. So the only person. Oh, it's melodramatic as hell. <laughs> the only person in the cast that I knew was Jada Pinkett Smith for the first season. Every everyone else, like, no clue, no clue. But uh, it is. I, I, I love Batman. Cool. Sorry, what? <laughs> no, no. Bat, let's talk about Batman. Okay, I love Batman. I don't know why. Uh, I fa- I noticed today. My brother started talking about the same show during uh, during our dinner. I spent uh, today family Christmas dinner, listeners. Uh, the the Christmas the Christian Christmas, not the pagan Christmas. Yeah. Um, and so I was like, man, my brother loves Batman too. We're ten years apart. I, there's got to be something to it. I don't know what it is. Universal conspiracy, uh, but we love Batman, and the show is not about Batman. So that's one strike, one strike against it. Uh, <laughs> because there's not enough Batman, Batman media. Not enough Batman media, and the the kind of disappointing thing. It's supposed to be about Jim Gordon and like the city of Gotham, and uh, it really it's a letdown. Most episodes, kind of a slog. They can't pick the correct tone. The pacing is off. It's just it's just kind of it. It never has a payoff as much as it puts you through 
which is unfortunate. But the best stories and scenes in every episode still belong to Bruce Wayne and Alfred. And it's like, it's not even supposed to be about you guys. <laughs> so heck? is Bruce Wayne like on the show? Yeah, a lot? He's, he's like a nine year old kid or something. The so child, like a... child actor is actually really good. Good. But he's like a main character. Yeah, he's like trying to look into the corruption of Wayne Industries. And as a people, nine-year-old. As a nine-year-old, and people are trying to kill him Man, as a nine-year-old. Honestly, I gotta say, I'm like really over Batman origin stuff, because I feel like every <laughs> single movie, <laughs> like regardless of where it's at in the series, always talks about his origin. Like, it'd be like the third mm-hmm. movie, and they'd be like... <laughs> Here's a flashback of when Bruce Wayne's parents got shot, just in case you forgot how this whole shenanigan got started. <laughs> that no, it's like, that's like career my... is a shenanigan. <laughs> yes. It's almost like a TV show in the Batman universe that doesn't involve Batman was a bad idea, and they're like, oh, God, we got to get <laughs> Batman in here somehow. But the whole point is not Batman. Oh, we'll man. just have this nine-year-old investigate corporate fraud. <laughs> you know, as nine-year-olds do. <laughs> As He's a detective. Too. The He's only nine-year-old who could pull that off probably in a comic book universe would be Tony Stark, but that's because he was a precocious smartass. <laughs> I mean, that's true. Funny. Also, Marvel is just chock full of geniuses at any age. So. True. I read an interesting fan fiction where Tony was basically responsible for creating everything from the age of 14 on, which was really sad. What? <laughs> <laughs> Nothing. <laughs> I'm sorry. I am not afraid. I am not afraid no. of my sad fandoms. Like <laughs> no, that that no, that's great. That is such. A <laughs> that, that's that's so great. That's so great. <laughs> I'm not inspired by your confidence in me as a human right now. But yeah, no, I like I like a bunch of superhero TV shows, but Gotham is probably the least interesting to me in any way. I'm just like I like yeah. Batman. I don't care about Jim Gordon, really, and I wasn't cool enough to watch The O.C. when I was a kid, so I don't care about Ben McKenzie, either. Yeah, yeah. Shots fired, Ben McKenzie? It's okay. <laughs> <laughs> he does I, wouldn't, I wouldn't, like, defend The O.C. as some amazing show. It was definitely, like, a trashy kind of soap opera thing that I watched when I was a teenager that I liked. So I'm not going to, like, sit here and go out on a limb for The O.C. Jeez, Kayla. Put my life on the line for the OC. Ride and die. (laughs) Although there was an entire subplot of a season of the OC where Olivia Wilde and um, where Olivia Wilde was a guest star, and she and Misha Barton were in love and made out on screen a lot. So that was pretty cool. But like that would appeal the young you. (laughs) Oh yes. at any you, really. <laughs> it appeals know. to me now. Yeah. <laughs> It'll appeal to you in 60 years, too, I'm sure. Probably. You'll pull up old episodes of the OC on the YouTube Empire database that exists <laughs> like, in the air. It'd be like, these were the good old days. <laughs> Back when Olivia Wilde existed. Because she'll be dead by then. She will not. Oh, be my dead. God. Okay, by that, time, we will, <laughs> by that time, Tron will be real and Olivia Wilde will live on as her character from Tron Legacy. Yeah, uh, do, does, beautiful do movie. We, does Tron Should Legacy have list. to be the movie we live? Um, I like Tron Legacy, no, and I'm one. Fine. I'm one it's of the fine. five people alive who's sad that the Tron sequel got canceled. Well, I mean, it was probably gonna have Killian Murphy in that did, like just incredible getup. So, did you watch the the animated series? Uh, the, no, the, I haven't. No. Oh, it's great. <laughs> Is it good? Elijah Wood does great voice acting. Uh, yeah, no, it was good. It was good. Okay, I'll probably actually have to watch that. I'm actually really fascinated by the Tron, like, universe, so... Yeah, I actually kind of wanted a Tron sequel, too. 
don't know why. It's just so pretty, and Daft Punk did the score, and it was really cool. And, and Killian Murphy. That's in Olivia Wilde with and that Olivia haircut. Olivia Wilde, yeah. Yeah. And oh, was that Garrett Hedlund? Yeah. Oh, Garrett. What Hedlund. is he doing right now? Where is He's he? He's busy, just like ruining the existence of Chris Pine and Chris Evans. <laughs> You're welcome. And uh, and um, I got distracted. I got distracted. No, 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 no. Has everybody? No, 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 no. Kayla, Kayla, no. Anyways, Garrett Headland is busy ruining the existence. Busy ruining the existence. Of all those other young, attractive, Chris cut Evans. male actors. Yes, Chris Evans. Which includes an, like three or four guys named Chris. But mostly. And Charlie Hunnam, which also starts with C. He's another one of those who's, even though I'm not sure why Charlie Hunnam keeps getting the roles, but, you know, whatever. That's a digression. He's but, fine. Yeah. So um, anything that's not Tron. Um, <laughs> do you have anything else to say on Gotham, Jordan? No, no. How did we get no, here? Nothing witty. <laughs> nothing witty. <laughs> nothing witty. Nothing witty. Doesn't have to be witty. It could just be a smart observation on how that show is not quite like maybe what that show could do to be better, besides more Batman. No, no, I got nothing for you. God, <laughs> it's so hopeless. <laughs> to be fair, I mean. The Flash is fun. So like, there's the Flash. You said you're watching the Flash. Yeah, so no, the Flash is so much fun. That. I watched episode two of The Flash finally not too long ago. Flash was one of the things I watched this week, so he can honestly talk about The Flash. All what right. I like, uh, cut yeah. out all the Gotham stuff. Stick no. with The Flash. <laughs> we, no, we, no. Can, we can use The Flash as one of my slots. It's all right. <laughs> all right, we'll get to that. <laughs> all right, so let's move on to Kayla. Kayla, what have you watched this week? Uh, very interesting uh, array of things, to be honest. Uh we watched Kayla were you anime trash again yes but we're not talking about that yet so Ben and I watched this movie called Dark City which I had never heard of but after having watched it I'm kind of surprised I've never heard of it came out in I think 1998 and it stars Jennifer Connelly and like some other vaguely recognizable 90s people and it's like a weird mix between the Truman Show and the Matrix and so, like, the whole thing takes place in some sort of space station. Kiefer Sutherland. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's what I'm thinking of. Kiefer Sutherland. Oh, Kiefer. <laughs> the Kief. Anyway, uh, yeah. So, it's, like, these aliens probably abducted a bunch of humans to put on this space station. And, like, every night they freeze them in place and, like, rearrange the memories between them. So, like, you could wake up in a completely different home with different memories and this human guy, John Murdoch, like, gets their powers somehow. It's never really explained. And honestly, I was crocheting the entire time we were watching it. So I wasn't really paying attention to, like, the visuals. But, like, I don't know. It's pretty cheesy and unsurprisingly has a massive cult following. But And it, a 7.7 on IMDb. Yeah. it's. I wouldn't say it's a 7.7 by a no. long shot. But, like, I'd, I'd give it, like, a solid 6.4. I... I yeah, I think you it's really have like to the, be. That, that's that's like some arbitrary pitchfork level, just like <laughs> no, decimal like, points. No, it's like well, it's, it's not quite a six and a half, so it's a six point four. Yeah, I mean that's how the IMDb <laughs> skills work, though. That's a number a movie can get no, on IMDb. It's true. It's true. <laughs> no, Jordan, I, did you have a thought? You I, d- I I feel like you have to be really into the sci-fi genre to 
like uh, to give it a seven point one. It's really cheesy. Yeah, it's and also like probably it also probably suffers from like watching it now as opposed to watching it in the day because now it looks really well. Okay, actually, I noted this. I I said this to Ben when we were watching it. It really didn't feel like it was dated until they threw in like CGI, like almost at the very end. Because everything else was fairly mechanical, practical effects. Yeah. And then they threw in like the 90s brain shot <laughs> that was really popular for some reason <laughs> in 90s sci fi slash superhero movies. You know. I don't know. But yeah, you can definitely see that like the Matrix took inspiration from it and stuff like that. And actually, I read in the trivia that they sold a bunch of their set pieces to the Matrix, like <laughs> film production. <laughs> But yeah, so I watched that, and it was pretty interesting. It definitely, it's probably nothing I'll ever watch again, but it seems like a decently important piece of sci-fi film history, so I guess I'm glad I know about it now. Yeah, I had to watch it in a high school film appreciation class, which was taught by our art teacher, who knows nothing about film. Ah. And yeah, it was not the best class. Was it like a, I like this movie, so it is cinematically important yeah like uh we had to learn about we're like let's learn about cgi and movies here's pirates of the caribbean 3 uh what for no reason <laughs> yep exactly there's cgi in that movie <laughs> i mean there's cgi in lots of movies they make the they make the regular sized lady turn into a giant lady it was so crazy wow i just remembered how terrible pirates of the caribbean 3 why didn't they show you the first one that I know, was actually that was good, good. I have no idea. Zero clue. Yeah, because they turned into skeletons the first one. That's yeah. Good, that's that, good and that actually kind of holds. I watched that at uh, the video store a couple Yo. times. It holds up. I, I love will. that movie. My family is weird. Like my family has very specific movies that they rewatch all the time. <laughs> Like, just over and over again. It's how I watched Tangled ten times in a day once. I mean, there's nothing wrong with that. Literally ten times in a day. I watched like, Tangled ten times in a day No, no, I'm not complaining. Work. It's just like, I can't believe I'm doing this, but my little sister just wants to keep watching it. They, The Pirates of the Caribbean movies, all about them. And I, for the first one, I'm on board. I'm like, still, look, the second, second one, one, I still liked. It was fine. Third one definitely lost oof. me. <laughs> a lot it's like when i went back and rewatched the third spider-man i was just like oh oh no we don't do that oh no, oh, no I, I love spider-man 3 i i just said are you one go- of those sam raimi people who's like yes sam raimi finally got to make a sam raimi movie no no my ex uh, was really like that <laughs> is also he that's the other podcast <laughs> no <laughs> Uh, I don't no. think he's ever listened to a single one of our podcasts, actually. Oh. <laughs> I got one of those uh, Facebook time hop things, and it was straight up that picture of Peter Parker with the bangs uh, from Spider-Man 3. And that was that was just my time hop. I guess I posted that. It's a very I'm important moment little, in my life. I'm honestly a little offended for you that Kayla, like, attacked you so much just because, like, what if you were one of those Sam Raimi fans? Well, then I'd be like, you're stupid because Sam Raimi making a great movie doesn't mean he's making a great Spider-Man movie, which was the job <laughs> he was hired to do, and he failed at. Yeah. Jesus. There you go. I would, did not realize you felt so strongly about anything. <laughs> I had to listen to this argument for, like, two years, all right? <laughs> about why Spider-Man 3 was a good movie. <laughs> oh, do you know what it's like to have that kind of argument? <laughs> I don't want to. I don't. I don't want to know. Exactly. I'm, I'm never going to experience that. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so the other thing I watched this week... <laughs> Every week, I'm like, Spider-Man 3. <laughs> no. Every week, I'm the one that's like, guys, we got to cut this down. Like, we always go off the rails. And then it's like always my section that it happens during. 
<laughs> anyway, so this week we continued our trend of being complete anime trash and once again watched an entire anime in like a week. <laughs> Not even. It I'm was like it was impressed. like four days. <laughs> anyway, so we watched this anime. It's called Psychopaths. And it's kind of like a smarter version of Minority Report. It's a futuristic, like, I wouldn't say dystopian. It's like a supposedly utopian uh, society where everybody everybody has, like, it's called the psychopaths. And it, like, monitors their, like, brain levels or whatever and lets them know if they're, like, getting towards being a criminal. So Psychopaths, like, they're getting their psych their psyche is being tested and they got to pass and oh my god yes. i get it so they're assigned a color for that and then every person has a labeled crime coefficient which is like i don't the percentage that they're likely to commit a crime or something and once it gets too high you're labeled as a latent criminal and you can either go to jail forever <laughs> and maybe try to so get out so or tempting. some people choose to become enforcers which are like criminals that work with the police to like do the dirty work that would push the police officer's crime coefficient too high so like the inspector can't go and shoot someone because that would make him a latent criminal so the enforcer would do it but yeah so they have it's it's actually it's a really smart and well-written series i was gonna say that's actually no kind of a perceptive and interesting no i would i would super super recommend watching this to like literally anyone it's so good i was thinking about making the joke oh so they're police but then (laughs) that got really that got that got so much smarter than my dumb joke they don't even have like they don't even have guns they have these things called dominators and what they do is they read the crime coefficient and if it's like under a certain number it'll just release like a paralyzer and it'll just paralyze it so they can use that like if they think the enforcer is doing something bad or like that they shouldn't do they can paralyze the enforcer because he's technically a criminal like even though he's like on their team so to speak and like once it gets to a certain level though it'll like do a lethal one and okay so the lethal one is kind of silly though because like it'll kill the person but the way it kills them is by making them explode which seems like a (laughs) little bit overkill and kind of like why do they hate janitors yeah it's like a lot of cleanup but then there's a third secret level that we find out that's uh the uh the decomposer which just like removes all traces that the person never existed which is also really dark (laughs) but yeah so it's a really smart series it deals with like obviously like would you want to live in a society like that do you think that's actually an efficient way to do things because like you could a lot of the criminals that they are tracking down are people who just got like snatched by a street scanner and were like you need to go to therapy or go to jail so like the very first case that they deal with is the guy got told that he needed to go to therapy and he literally like flipped out went nuts and like kidnapped a woman and assaulted her and all of this stuff all because they were like your crime coefficient will be too high so is therapy that upsetting no it's literally like it's like corrective therapy oh i was gonna say like you just like lie on the couch chill man it's all good no it's not yeah it's like a you need to do this or you will become a criminal and you will go to jail forever kind of therapy Uh, yeah no it's it's a really really good series it's on netflix so you can watch it on there the whole thing probably you should do it over more of an amount of time than I did. I, I think four <laughs> days sounds about right. That sounds very interesting. I want to like, plug. It's like twenty something episodes. It's it's good. How long are the episodes? Like twenty minutes. Twenty twenty two. Oh, you know that's not even that bad. I've done way worse. <laughs> I have done worse. I actually. watched the whole season of Lost in like a day and a half. So <laughs> I watched Ouch. nine hours of Game of Thrones in one day once. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so Is this that's a competition. No, I'm just. Uh... <laughs> but yeah, so that's what I watched this week. Uh, Tyler, where did you watch? Uh, well, I actually started catching up on The Flash again, and, and it's also something Jordan watched, so I, I talked about it a little bit. And I watched an episode of it, too. <laughs> one episode. 
<laughs> I watched. Two. I'm almost to the end of season one, so okay. you know, I appreciate no spoilers. I, I won't spoil um, it. Like, well, the, I just want to say about the Flash. It's like it's really fun, and I enjoy it. It's also like preposterously silly sometimes, you and like really procedural and formulaic. You can tell that it's kind of geared towards a family watching environment yeah it's yeah. like it's like fun but even as i'm watching it i'm like man this is really like follow, it follows a certain script and... yeah everything's just too convenient it gets wrapped up really nicely and that's a good word like everything's very convenient the episode i watched was the one where he has to fight all the multiples or whatever yeah. And, like, the whole thing was, like, you just had to believe in yourself the whole time, Barry. And I was Literally like, really? every episode is, like, how do I beat it? you got to run really fast. <laughs> okay, but you've never run that fast before. No, I could do it. You know what, Barry? You can do it. I also, Barry, yeah. you did it. You ran fast, Barry. <laughs> Barry, you ran so fast. I can't believe you ran so fast. <laughs> Credits. Yes. Like, well, like, we were commenting on, like, how preposterous it was that, like, because, like, the first two episodes are, like, the police officer, like, pseudo dad being, like, you got to do it like this, Barry. And he's, like, you're not my dad. And then they're, like, but now we understand each other. And Barry, I guess you can do it your way. And he's, like, but I respect you, so I'll kind of do it your way, too. <laughs> the only thing about that show that is gets even a little bit dirty, at least so far, is he's in love with like his adopted sister basically i have a yeah. very large issue with that like that is the the show is like squeaky clean except for that part and i'm like that it treats it pretty lightly but i'm like that's kind of oh, serious i'm stuff. also okay i'm also i feel like she's like way too young for that cop that she's dating yeah uh, how old is she supposed to be is she like i think like 23 I was really? thinking like twenty three ish for I like all because, of them, and the cops like a little older. I think it's because of how the script is that I feel like they're all kind of like high schoolers, even though they're not. I, yeah, I mean, I think it's kind of intentionally got that dynamic to make it feel a little more angsty and youthful. Also, the guy playing Barry Allen, that dude is like not baby face, but like very clean cut and just like hi. I just like he was like the pretty gay boy on Glee, so it makes perfect <laughs> yeah. sense. <laughs> Also, the mean gay boy. I hated him ugly. <laughs> yeah, Jordan, how do you feel about The Flash? Because you had also I, been watching The Flash. Uh, I, I, I feel like you you, uh, you you wrapped it up pretty nicely. Uh, I feel like a lot of the, the side characters are fun. I, I never was into The Flash like comics at all. So mm-hmm. a lot of the rose gallery is kind of just new to me. And it's fun. Uh, yeah, that, that's it's convenient and fun. That's the show. That's the whole show. It's like kind of it's like super low commitment watching. Like I watched that and I was like, "Oh, okay, good. My brain feels just relaxed right now. This is nice." <laughs> also, I really en- like I really enjoy the over the top uh Captain Cold. It's yeah. Kale, you haven't seen him yet. It's the guy from Prison Break. He's great. And he's just he's he's like it's not scenery chewing because he's like very quiet, but it's like really hammy, but I just really enjoy him every time he's on the show. Yeah, no, and that's the thing is that Gotham sticks to the certain level, or not Gotham, Flash sticks to the certain level of ham and, like, funniness and playfulness, and then Gotham just doesn't know what to do with itself. Yeah, Flash is pretty consistent on that. Like, it's kind of like, the C, the, for some reason, the CW just has their 
superhero shows down and literally every other superhero show has problems yeah there's probably someone on the set who just like monitors the ham levels and just makes sure they're within the right <laughs> range and that, that's probably how they go about doing it there the one thing i wanted to add the the cop dad joe guy he play he's in rent he's in the movie uh version of rent the musical mm-hmm. threw me off never thought i'd th- see that guy again <laughs> there he was popped up years later in years the superhero later. tv show yeah so i'm i've never seen rent so i was just like yeah he's a very capable cop dad like he's just he's that thing yeah <laughs> and then i haven't really watched anything else super noble i watched a couple more episodes of masters of no- master of none Ooh, because he's on the show. show on netflix yeah love it's a really show. It's a really good show. I haven't watched that or Jessica Jones yet. I am so Ooh. fucking behind. Netflix is, I mean, I guess I'll just use the state. Netflix is kind of killing it right now with their original contents. They've come out with a lot of good stuff. Even just between, I mean, you could say a bunch of comedy specials, but for Absolutely. us, John Mulaney especially. Oh, but like Master of None, Jessica Jones, Daredevil did really well. Narcos has its people. Like they're just doing a really good, uh, Beast of No Nation is looking at some uh some academy awards like they're just doing a really good job taking over the world dominating streaming i also won't talk about this too much but um i watched the trailer for batman versus superman dawn Uh, of justice yes and it's uh pretty silly and i think that movie is going to be not good oh we forgot (laughs) to have me watch that for reactions before the podcast yeah you know i oh god it's just did, did you watch it jordan yes i did i watched it what, recently what did you think uh now that i've said that i thought it was silly and not good i agree with you um <laughs> i do like the idea of ben affleck as bruce wayne i do um, he was like the only part of that that i i actively enjoyed i i enjoy batfleck i, I yeah I can't wait to see Jesse Eisenberg lose all his hair. I hope that happens in the movie because Lex Luthor should be bald. All right, um, I have a question. He's Lex Luthor Jr., which is why what? he's the tr- – Yeah, apparently he's le- – like he said in an interview with um some magazine or other, that's why he's like a whiny trust fund brat in the trailer because he's playing Lex Luthor Jr. I have a question. Jordan, you said you're into Batman, right? Yeah. Like – well, I guess this is more of a Superman question. There are other villains for Superman besides Lex Luthor, right? Yeah. Then there's Why one is he the only one that ever makes it into any Superman movie? Well, actually, cool. Doomsday shows Doomsday up is, in this one. Yeah. He, in, uh, spoiler alert, in the comics, he kills Superman. Uh, mm, darn, that, that would be terrible. That yeah, I'm no. pretty sure they're not going to kill Superman off this early, though. Yeah, they should, um. though. I mean... <laughs> Superman is so It's not, like... I, I, I want to say, like, I enjoy him as Superman. It's just that he is giving nothing to do except be, be super serious yeah. and have a great chin. And I, w- and I was watching it uh, with with Ali mentioned before, and she like she's like, why are they why are they fighting? Like, are they just they're just it's their egos? And I was like, that's probably right. As much as I'm sure the movie will make a case for like their conflicting ideology. I, ah, Jesus Christ ideologies on like what justice should be and how it should be implemented it's it's their egos yeah at you least civil who... war makes sense like i'm just saying like civil war is also <laughs> jam-packed with too many things and heroes fighting but that trailer has a nice narrative and it keeps it pretty tight mm. 
Mm-hmm. It, you know what else is tight in that trailer? No, I don't. I don't actually, and I don't Her want to know. muscles. We're not doing it. We're not doing it. Anyways. Also, you know who is uh, not super great at very deftly handling complicated topics like, you know, justice and different views on it? Zack Snyder. Yeah. yeah. Zack Snyder's skills um, are not in exploring or eps, ex, uh, explicating, you know, different ideologies and the and like the inner workings of those ideologies and you know the anything involving subtlety at all, he is abs. <laughs> he is really not a subtle man. <laughs> abs no. and decapitation and boom and smash and, and owls and and building explosion porn. <laughs> the owls of Gahul. <laughs> <laughs> it's a very specific pull of all the Zack Snyder movies a... you think of. I own that movie, actually. It has a 50% on Rotten Tomatoes. The both, Owls of Gahul? Yeah, both critic and fan. I, there's another podcast. Uh, that they, is a preposterous they, thing yeah. to say about the Owls of Gahul. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I'm done now. I'm sorry. You wouldn't you let me have what? the you wouldn't You know what's a worse title? Corner. You know what's a worse title? Legends of the Guardians, the Owls of Gahul. Batman versus Superman, Dawn of Justice. Yeah, it's not like Justice was invented by Batman and Superman. It's the Dawn like... of the Justice League. Oh, fuck. Okay, yeah, that makes sense. Fuck that. Yeah. I hate that so much. This is the lead up to the Justice I League movie. I hate Zack Snyder cause... and Batman. Like, I don't hate Zack Snyder, but I hate Zack Snyder doing this Superman-Batman oh, shit. Like, I... I, like... I am all like I am very interested in the Batman in the Affleck directed Batman movie with Affleck as Batman as like old Batman like Grizzly and stuff like that yeah. I'm into most other thing anything involving Zack Snyder nah hard pass or the script writer um what's his name uh I can't remember his name I almost said Drew Goddard but no Drew Goddard is good at what he does. <laughs> But yeah, so that I was not super into that trailer. I'm gonna, I will give the movie a shot. I do not have high hopes, but maybe I'll like it. More I than still Man haven't of Steel. seen Man of Steel, so maybe I'll no, like it more than Man either. of Steel. So, but I knew I wouldn't like Man of Steel, so I'll probably get you to watch Man of Steel. It's like, nope, we're doing this. I'll buy you alcohol to buy your off, buy you <laughs> off. I'll be like, here's alcohol and pizza. If I have to watch Man of Steel, we're going to see Civil War like seven times in theaters. <sighs> that's what that. That's You're gonna what make that me worth. do that anyways. <laughs> I'm going to dress up as Captain America. It's going to be so awesome. (laughs) You're wearing a Captain America shirt right now. You can't even be mad at me. This is your fault. You're encouraging me right now. Yeah, so, uh, no, I I heard there was a a segment on this podcast. Uh, You keep, it's it's weird. You keep talking about uh, Civil War Captain America. That's Chris Chris Evans, right? Yes. I was informed. Do you you have a segment called the, the Chris Pine Corner? No, no. Yeah. no. Yeah. Yeah, so let's talk yeah. about Chris Pine a little bit. Did you conspire so, uh, behind my back? Yeah, so Chris Pine is pretty great. Pretty I really great. enjoy him as Captain Kirk, even um, though I didn't no, like no, the second movie the a thing. lot. Here's the thing. His characterization, not his, but like the characterization of Captain Kirk that he's been given is massively wrong and off and disfaithful. Since when do you care about Star Trek? Because it's one of the most seminal like landmark 
equality like equality on screen thing okay, but yeah. also about chris right. pine so like into the woods one of my favorite parts of that is when chris pine is just like this <laughs> this barrel chested obnoxious prince Absolutely. who's just like so beautiful but is all this like false bra- uh, bravado and braggadocio and okay that just is really, pretty cool but he anyway really nails that role that's not I'm, the corner I enjoy, that we have really i enjoy the chris pine corner it's uh, I'm I'm excited for the new Star Trek movie. I didn't even know they were mm-hmm. making one. Um, Chris Pine, uh, just prob- probably my favorite Chris. You know, what? I liked the Mark Ruffalo corner better because I could at least talk about Chris Evans during it. No, no, we're this is Have all Chris Pine's mo- Oh my god, time. can you imagine if they were in a movie together? Oh, Chris, I forgot Chris Pine is going to be in the Wonder Woman movie. I actually did oh, enjoy yeah. that bit of casting. Yeah. Um, he was, oh, that's right. He was in Wet Hot American Summer, first day of camp. Fantastic he was in that. S- so much fun. I watched the movie Z for Zechariah recently. Um, it's uh, him, uh, Margot Robbie, and uh, Chiwetel Ejiofor. Very solid. Not great, but really well done. It was just a beautiful movie, and literally only three people in that movie. Was I'm so unhappy about what's happening right no. now. Are there, are, do you think there's enough films uh, that are that are like letter like Z for Zechariah? And for, do you think there's enough to go through the alphabet now? We gotta be getting there. Is there a Q? We need a Q one. Q for quack. An X <laughs> and a Y. Those are the harder ones. Um, Zizix Road. Does that count? <laughs> There's that XXXY movie. Yeah, Zizix Road. Oh, is that what that is? Yeah. Oh, okay. But yeah, anyways, Chris Pine. Uh, Superior Chris. Great times. Okay, that's just like statistically not even true. Chris Pine anyways, was in like the movie we watched this week. The movie we watched this week that unfortunately does not have best of all Chris's Chris Pine in it was Network. The distinguished television news commentator, Mr. Howard Beale. Ladies and gentlemen. I would like at this moment to announce that I will be retiring from this program in two weeks' time because of poor ratings. Since this show was the only thing I had going for me in my life, I have decided to kill myself. I'm going to blow my brains out right on this program a week from today. What the hell's going on? Howard Beale went up there last night and said what every American feels, that he's tired of all the bull- sakes, Diana, we're talking about putting a manifestly irresponsible man on national television. There is no democracy. There is only IBM and DuPont and Exxon. And you have meddled with the primal forces of nature. And you will atone. Am I getting through to you, Mr. Beale? Why me? It was your own television, dummy. I want you to get up right now and go to the window, open it, and stick your head out and yell, I'm as mad as hell, and I'm not going to take this anymore! Network is the 1976 film directed by Sidney Lumet. It has an 8.1 on IMDb and currently ranks number 170. It has a ro- on Rotten Tomatoes. It has a critic score of 91%, 8.4, and an audience score of 93.7, and a 4.2 out of 5, so also 8.4. I made $23.7 million in the box office on a $3 million budget, and it was nominated for 10 Academy Awards, which is a lot of awards. It had actually all of them. It's pretty close, pretty close, uh, including five acting nominations, which is hard to do when there are four categories. And it had four wins. Uh, Peter Finch won posthumously 
for Best Actor. He was actually the first one to win posthumously. And and the only one until Heath Ledger again. R.I.P. again. R.I.P. Uh, Faye Dunaway won for Best Actress. Beatrice Strait won for Best Supporting Actress. And I believe that is still the shortest yeah. amount of time on screen yes. for an award winner. Yeah, she was just over five minutes. But yeah, we'll get into that. And it won for the screenplay by uh, Patty Chayefsky, who also won awards for Marty and The Hospital. and Two different movies, just to clarify. <laughs> Marty in the Hospital. It's really, it's a great kids movie, you know. Uh, in 2000, the movie was selected for preservation by the U.S. National Film Registry, by the Library of Congress. Uh, in 2002, it was inducted into the Producers Guild of America Hall of Fame. Uh, it was its script has been voted one of the best all time by writing guilds, and it was on AFI's 100 Greatest American Films list. It got 64th. It's got a couple quotes on various institutes' top ten or top twenty top quotes in movies lists, and basically, people really like this movie. The people in this movie do really well for themselves, and this is generally a success. Uh, Jordan, you came to us with this yeah. movie. Watched us a little bit. Uh, I don't know your history with the movie and why you brought this uh, one to I us. I bought this movie before I watched it or knew anything about it. I was at an antique shop and I had heard the title because uh, I got really into the the Aaron Sorkin show, The Newsroom, and so I would read reviews and other media regarding that show, and all of them referenced this movie. So kind of came back to that, and I saw it and I said, "Hey, this looks really cool." Uh, I got it in a fancy uh, VHS case. It's got, like, the MGM, like, silver collection thing. I don't know. It looks fancy. It's a nice case. So uh, I, th- I thought it would be interesting. Uh, I-, I hadn't seen it. Neither of you had seen it before, so I thought it would be a, 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 fun, a fun pick. Kayla, uh, I'm curious about what you thought of the movie. You also had never seen it before. What did you think of the movie? Um, this is another movie that I was really kind of embarrassed and shocked that I had never heard of, uh, considering how much time I have spent just, you know, studying film. <laughs> yeah, so I was really surprised that I had never heard of it, and I wasn't 100% sure what to expect yeah. from it. Um, I guess, so we tried to watch it a couple nights ago after I got home from work very late, and I was really tired from work and I kind of, I fell asleep like half an hour in. So I was kind of like, ah, like, I don't know if it was really a great movie. I probably would have stayed awake. Like, I don't know. I was kind of feeling iffy about it. And I sat down to watch it today and, uh, wrong. I was wrong. (laughs) (laughs) Super extra wrong. It is a phenomenal movie. And it has again, like such a great script. I feel like some of the, like just some of the word choices are so phenomenal. This movie is so quotable and just has so many great lines. Most of my notes are just like, oh, I'm going to jot that down. I'm going to jot that one down. I noted it, it reminded me a lot of us. It, it reminded me more of a stage play yeah. than a movie, which I, I kind of like. I like that more than I talked on an episode before about how it's really distracting for me to watch stage plays adapted into movies because I can, as like a theater nerd, I can tell where the scene changes are and like how you can clearly tell that it was meant to be like a person soliloquizing on a stage. But with this kind of style where it's very theatrical and very like high theater kind of dialogue, 
but it doesn't have that same awkward, like, you can tell it wasn't made for this format kind of feeling to it. It's a lot more, it just flows a lot better, I guess. It's less stilted. Yeah. It's not confined to those theatrical bounds that an actual play would be. Exactly, yeah. Yeah, we, the only I, the only reason we fell asleep is because it was so. It was like two in the morning. It was and... two in the morning, and our bodies gave out on us. <laughs> no reflection on the movie clearly, because I also uh, was really impressed by this movie. Uh, not the the script is definitely the standout of the movie, and it's performed very well by this by the whole cast basically. One thing, and it's a very specific thing I noticed. Um, I really liked the framing of a lot of the movie. I feel and. Like, this is not a show... Like, very little of this is showy by Lumet. It's mostly he's kind of conveying this script. But I feel like in his decisions, he does it really well. And, in in like, one of the reviews I read after I, I had already come up with kind of the pieces of this thought called it unobtrusive, and I think mm-hmm. that's right. I just enjoy a lot of the framing of some of the dialogue scenes, especially the one-on-ones, a lot of that stuff, or especially the scenes involving um, involving our angry preacher. <laughs> uh, a number of the scenes involving him, and both when he is the one ranting and when he's being re- ranted at, I just feel like a lot of that stuff is framed really well it's just a very specific thing that i don't notice a lot that i thought was done really well here i think that's also kind of what lends to that like stagey feel too is that the cameras yeah. are so the cameras are kind of actually just you know watching what's happening and the fact that there's no score also kind of yeah, lends I, itself to I, it i know I, I actually noticed that about half i did through. not i did not yeah the music is all diegetic. It all takes place like within the movie on a news report or something. That is a mm-hmm. good choice. Which I know the, I only noticed that myself when he, uh, when Schumacher was doing one of his very meta things where he's talking about if this yeah. would be a movie, this would happen. And he says, and then the music would swell. And I'm like, wait, there's been no swelling music. And that's when I'm like, oh, there's been like no music at all. It's very interesting i remember that was a big criticism by maybe just some of my friends about no country for old men how there's no music there i think this is a little different because it is (laughs) of all the things to pick out about that movie (laughs) i know i know um but i think because of the diegetic music here i think it's a little less noticeable but Mm -hmm. uh yeah i that is my very specific (laughs) thing that i enjoyed about this movie but but yeah patty chayefsky i am not familiar with basically any of his other work but if any of it's as at least are as artfully rendered or skillfully written as this i'd definitely like to check it out if not just to expand my vocabulary <laughs> even more true adamantine it's a good one that was pointed There's, out i can't it. i can't remember i should have taken better notes Oh, I have all kinds of quotes here. If you just want, like, we could just like spend half an hour just going like, man, when they said Latin, that was cool. Well, like, there's so many, <laughs> there's so many like awesome speeches in this movie, and not even I don't even necessarily like. I enjoyed Howard Beale's initial like bullshit speech. Mm-hmm. But other than that, I kind of like didn't really care for his character for yeah. the most part because he's not really a character. No. So I mean, everybody calls this a satire, even though Chayefsky and. Uh, at both are like this it's not a satire it's just kind of how things are it's just mm-hmm. like and now that's one of the things about this movie uh that's easy to point out is that how relevant it is to now 
because you know you could just basically substitute television out for the internet and you can kind of do the same exact thing i am kind of surprised how much i like this movie because i'm usually very resistant to old man shakes fist at cloud <laughs> <laughs> and like this is very clearly something patty chayefsky feels but i think he also it's not so much it's very okay so it is him ranting against these things and about people just like being sheep and just becoming dumber by watching television and those things and i am usually very resistant to that but just something about the way he writes it still makes it work and i it's almost like that makes me one of the people in the audience <laughs> chanting along and just being like, yeah, I'm mad about this, even though I'm part of the problem. I think what it is is that while he's, like, raising some his criticisms of the industry, it's also still grounded enough that even if it's not necessarily something you agree with, you can see where they're coming from. Yeah. It's more rooted in like almost the kind of like a kind of logical debate sort of way. Like here are my opinions. I set them forth for you to observe as opposed to being like, this is why you're an idiot for watching TV, you know? And also this movie has a number of targets. So it's not just yeah. TV. It also takes on like capitalism and Which is a problem. And it, yeah, and it also, it kind of, sorry, yeah, and like, <laughs> and like every person in this movie is kind of like, like a dupe in some way. Like even our righteous hero, who's like against the garbage that they're putting on. Like even he's, like it's like he cheats on his wife. It kind and it kind of presents him as being passed by too. It's like, like these people, like these people are eating up this terrible stuff. These people are like everyone is. Everyone is con like totally uh, corrupted by television and they're money. All, yeah, they're like, all hypocritical. They're uh, all as soon as like money ratings get involved in all, they're just like, dude, ratings, hell yeah, like the the Liberation Army. As soon as they're involved, they're like, whoa, 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 whoa. But what? What about the money? With the ratings, like this is good for ratings and all this stuff. And I don't know. He manages. I, I feel like everyone is kind of made fun of this, even if they get like a rousing speech, like. You're like on Faye Dunaway's side. You're like, yeah, she's cold-hearted and bloodthirsty and all this, but like, she's she's right. Faye Dunaway is honestly the most genuine character in the movie because she's the only one not trying to cover up how she is. I, I think that's a sign of how good this movie is and how well it's done. The fact that it has all these things that normally would turn me off, but they're done so well that I'm like, you know what? This is is an example of it being done well, and that's why we get so mad when it's done poorly. Because this is what, like, a good version of that looks like. Oh, God. So it's like we could look at that and then look at the newsroom <laughs> and then we could just see what's up. Before, there. We, before so. we jump in, I, I also want to add, like, you're saying it's, it does so many things well. The, the other weird thing with this movie is that it does so many things. Like, it shouldn't fit together the way it does. Like Yeah. It, uh, I, that's what impressed me the most. And that's probably also why, like beyond just being up late because I, I had a hard time focusing and paying attention because I watched it late at night too but there's just so much stuff you don't quite know what to latch on to it's almost like um this is like a really weird comparison but you know how like in a Christmas story like 10 different things yeah. happen and it's all somehow related 
to mm-hmm. the same set. Like that's pr- that's kind of what it reminded me of. Yeah, this movie does so many things, and until the very end, I feel like it all flows and fits smoothly together, and you're almost never like, wait, what the, f- wait, like they. I can't I can't believe they did that. Like or like that doesn't make any sense. Yeah, like, really. Even the Liberation Army yeah. comes in, like those scenes feel a little out of place. They're fun. Like, like, oh. They're yeah, they're super they're, fun. Yeah, they're super fun. And it's like it makes sense because like they're doing this for ratings. It's over the top. It's like you want Liberation Army and terrorists and all this stuff to get rated. Like but So here's I feel like the whole movie is like a well oiled train and that's like moving along at high speed and then immediately like crashes off the rails at the very end like in literally in the last two minutes of the movie it's almost like they ran out of rail like they said all the things they want to say but like how do you wrap it up and like we usually like there's very little in this movie to spoil and the end is like the only thing to spoil and we'll go ahead and talk about that now (laughs) because why not but like it's very much felt like a jump the shark moment the first time i watched it when they they're like what if we kill him? And that's when it goes from not like like this is heightened, but still in some kind of reality. And then when I got to the assassination part, I'm like, they will do anything for money, but that's like another yeah. level. But you know what? I'm sure there are plenty of stories of old Hollywood about people <laughs> trying to kill I each other. I mean, yeah, but not like straight up assassinating on camera. <laughs> I had okay, so I was I knew that was coming actually because when I had originally started doing research for the movie, I accidentally scrolled past the spoiler warning yeah. on IMDb and like saw the trivia that said that he got assassinated. So I assumed that like a disgruntled, I don't know, person yeah. was just going to, like, I, I assumed it was going to, like, logically make sense in the plot, mm-hmm. not just, like, they had a meeting and decided to kill him on camera. Yeah. <laughs> like, now, the thing is, there's a lot of speechifying in this movie, and there's a lot of didactic stuff in this movie. Like, you know, like, you know what they're saying the whole time, and there are layers to it, and there's some stuff that's, like, kind of under the radar, but for the most part, like, you get it. But I never felt like they were really hammering the point on the head or beating a dead horse until that part where they're like, at the the last time in the movie is he was the first man killed for his rating. So I was just like, oh god. Just, yeah, it's literally like just the last like, two minutes. I'm like, what just happened? It's like they were hitting a head. They were like, they were hitting a nail on the head, but they were hitting it like really squarely and like perfectly and well and well. And then they're just like sledgehammer. In case you didn't get it. Like, do you get it? Do you do you get it? All they care about is money. Do you get it? They could have done a common courtesy of doing uh, at least giving a proportionate amount of bullet wounds. That's what what made me that a very particular (laughs) detail. But there was like five wounds, and they shot him like twice. That made me mad. I'm sorry. And one of them was a semiotic <laughs> weapon. He's like, pow, pow. And I the number just... of camera shots they got yeah. was impressive. Okay, so my issue is they're like, you know, we can't be implicated in this. Except they had cameramen on the assassins, and they immediately zoomed in on his dead, bloody body. I'm like. <laughs> on the assassins, on their faces, on their guns. I'm like, how are you, like, not going to come out of this looking bad? Like, how do they have that many cameras? I'm <laughs> Uh, yeah. <laughs> it's because nobody cares, Kayla, because they're cold, and all they care money. about is shock. Money and shock value. And Donald Trump somehow fits into this. Kind of. Yeah, kind of. He's like, I, I will say, like, when it first started, and I, when I didn't know that the movie was going to be, a, like, going to go on to, like, all these things around Beale, when I thought it was just going to be about Beale and we were going to spend more time with him, I was really, I'm like, 
really angry white man shouting, yelling at the cloud. Like, like this is, oh, this is like the things people hate about the Sorkin stuff that doesn't work. But then the movie ended up being about a lot of different things. So what I actually really liked about this is that they kind of give Faye Dunaway's character the reins. And for being pretty much the only, like, woman in the, I mean, like, William Holden's wife is there, but she's not really a character. She's just kind of there sometimes. She gets an award. Yeah, so she's pretty... Of course, everybody got an award in this movie. Anyway, um, but yeah, so she's pretty much the only female character. And I just, I like that, although she's clearly, like, a heartless, like, you know, it's her idea to assassinate him. She's not really portrayed negatively for any of that. She's And very she's much, good at her job. Yeah, she's good at her job. She, in fact, outwits him in the first place and gets him to feel like... Pretty easily. Yeah, like, she gets him to feel comfortable, like, that nothing bad's gonna happen to him, and then she gets him fired so she can get exactly what she wants. But, like, she's never portrayed as, like... She gave him a chance at the same time, though. Yeah, she's never portrayed necessarily as, like, conniving or... What's the word I'm looking for? She's not, like, cold, if that makes sense. She's very passionate. She's very... That's true. She runs hot. Yeah. And that's kind of refreshing, especially for a movie from that era. She's Yeah. She's calculating, but not cold. And it's like, so when you think about it, there's yeah. movies like Anchorman that are clearly, now that, I'm, now that I've seen this movie, sort of, like, satirizing that satire, in a way. <laughs> and, like, a movie like Anchorman clearly kind of misses the buck because the way they treat their female character is awful. <laughs> That's early of that. Like we had this conversation about those comedy, like those comedies before. But yeah, no, like she, that's one thing I was curious about going through the movie too, because this is obviously something that comes up a lot and it's both of us, but especially you feel very passionately about these things. Like, and I, I was curious how that was going to go in this movie, but like, I mean. I feel like her character is treated like very fairly yeah. for the time and like, i wasn't sure about like with the liberation army the race thing either but like honestly that i felt a little more iffy on I, but i think that was a little more like that wasn't necessarily malicious that was just like i don't know a sign of the times unfortunately yeah but not something this, i'm like yeah. proud of but for this movie like i feel like so often movies about the newsroom like they have to be about like gender or race in there too but like this movie isn't about like those issues. It's literally just about ratings and money. Yeah, which ratings is kind and of, money. Yeah, it's kind of refreshing. Yeah, because like, as much as I care about stuff like that, it's exhausting <laughs> to have to analyze every piece of media that way. And like this movie, it's not about those things, but it also isn't terrible about those things because it doesn't care about them. Whatever, it's just not about them. Yeah. Which, which is really nice. <laughs> <laughs> it was just like I was. I felt very privilege to just be able to enjoy that entire movie without having something to be vaguely like i didn't have to like set aside part of my morals to enjoy it yeah despite it being like a movie about a lot of old white men directed by an old white man <laughs> well Sidney lumet is at the know. time he wasn't that old well and also he's a fairly his movies always oh. kind of had a very social justice edge to them yeah in the first that's place. one thing i didn't realize to looking at his movies like and something that's specifically brought up is a lot of his movies have a conscience and he's very aware of these things. And Patty Chayefsky is clearly a very smart person. He's got a smart last um, name. The harder it is to say, Chayef. the smarter you are. <laughs> that's how my last name works. Yeah, exactly. St. Orange. St. Orange, fuck you. <laughs> but, um, You're down there. Nobody knows, nobody knows how to say my name. Um, 
So this movie it's phonetic. <laughs> Sorry. So anyway. it's funny that Creed just came out because the band, the other movie. Sorry. Yes, Sorry. the band. No, we're just... not. We already talked about this in the last episode. We're not making okay. these jokes again. Cut Too it, late. Cut it out. Made Sorry. It. Uh, so Creed the band. Uh, Scott Stapp. Great. Uh, so Creed just came out, and its forebear, Rocky, was the movie that this competed with the most at the Academy Awards. If an award wasn't won by uh, Rocky, it was probably won by That's Network crazy. and vice versa. Yeah, and um, Sidney Lumet was actually pretty angry that he lost Best Picture to Rocky. <laughs> um, but no, because let's see. Um, I have, yeah, you know, I haven't seen Rocky, but I feel on principle that these those two movies cannot be of the same caliber. But Rock, <laughs> Rocky's a really good movie. The sequel's not as much. Like, the first Rocky is actually, like, a really smart, good movie. Okay. We should, like, I mean, it's on well, 250. We're going to have to watch it at some yeah, point. Yeah, but, like, I, I do really want to watch that. But, like, uh, Rocky won Best Picture. Uh, the director won. The, it won for film editing. And I believe one of the one of another awards, but like it got like network one for score. Weirdly <laughs> enough, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> that would be totally incomprehensible. But the Academy's weird sometimes. But yeah, I like thought that was interesting, and that it was basically a network v Rocky film, which two very different movies. Very. <laughs> Even as I stump for Rocky, it is a very different movie. And no, I I think it's always important to look when you're looking at like what what awards a movie has won to look at what it was competing against at the time. Like, yeah, that's why I brought some of these up and also, Oh, uh, so one thing I want to talk about, and even though it's a small thing and it's not a huge part of the movie, but the, the movie won three of four acting awards, which it was the only one to do that at the time, other than a uh, streetcar named desire. That was the other one, <laughs> which someday will be in the two fifty long enough for us to talk about. <laughs> and, uh, and, um, uh, Virginia Woolf, uh, who's afraid, afraid of Virginia Woolf, won for Best Supporting and Best Actress. That one got close. But um, one of the acting wins was by uh, Beatrice Strait, who played his wife and was in the movie, as we said, for about five minutes. And she has a really good scene, and she is very passionate and fiery in that scene. And it is it, like... It was great. If It was a really good scene, mm-hmm. but it's like, did she, win, uh, did she deserve to win? And I looked up... And The Dissolve actually, RIP The Dissolve, but uh, The Dissolve had a really good piece on that year's supporting actress race. And so it was Beatrice Strait, uh, a 14-year-old Jodie Foster and Taxi Driver. Oh, really? Yeah, the mom from Carrie. Oh, no, she doesn't get it. And it which, yeah, it's a weird nomination. Um, uh, oh, uh, Rocky's wife, Adrian Talia Shire. And I forgot the other person, but... But um, like the like that was the like those were the people in it. So it kind of makes sense in that case that she won supporting actress because she was up against a fourteen year old. Uh, they a obviously woman. see this is where I feel like it's very much like a, a pol- like the Academy Awards are so political because it's probably like she's old and she's done a lot of things and we haven't really given her enough record. It's kind of, you know like, and like. It, apparently, it was kind of a comeback mo- movie for her too. Yeah, like something that's kind of hard to know now. <laughs> Five minutes. For well, it's comeback, also weird because you know. she's the supporting actress by default. Like, <laughs> there, there's Faye Dunaway and her, I guess. Yeah, she's like the, she's the only other woman in the movie who has speaking lines, basically. Said, well, I mean, the like, at, Liberation yeah, Army lady. Oh does. yeah, that's right. She like she didn't get a scene though, which is why yeah. she brought no. 
I, I just, I... Also, she's black, so the Academy Award. Of course, exactly. Yeah, I know. Like, that's not even a joke. That's just factual. That's true. No, but so, I don't I don't feel like that is fair, given Jodie Foster's performance in Taxi it's Driver. It's probably just because she was 14 years old. No, I know, but that's preposterous. I don't think you, like, as good as that scene is, I don't think five minutes of acting is worth an Academy Award. Unless, I, it would have to be some sort of, like, earth-shattering moment, which I don't feel that that was. It's also, it's a consequential scene, but only because, like, so many of the scenes in this movie are consequential and have a lot of great dialogue and all that. It's a really good scene, but it's also not a hugely necessary scene. It's a big part for a supposed leading man, William Holden, but, like... Nothing, I feel like so little, like no one scene or part in this movie is necessarily integral to the whole. I mean, it's all kind of necessary, but like, I don't feel like, I mean, this is, this is, this is being a dead horse, but like it, it was a really good scene, but it shouldn't have been enough to tip one of the top four acting categories in the highest awards thing. Yeah. And this is where you can say, like, awards don't matter, but I've always resisted that because... I think they do matter. The they... awards make themselves matter, and they affect, like... What are the two things people care about in movies? Kind of takes on from network. They care about money, and they care about awards. Like, they care, like, like, recognition and money is all they care about. And so when people make movies, they either make movies that are going to make a ton of the box office or that are going to, like, you know, do well at award season and generate more money there that way. And sorry, I, I went on some awards No, rant, no, no, no. Like, I also Awards feel, matter. No, I feel, Okay, so here's the thing. The kind of people that try to say that it, the, the Academy Awards don't matter are the kind of people who generally don't want to try and analyze the very archaic and honestly, like, racist sexist trends that the academy awards tend to follow mm-hmm. when people like it's kind of an easy way out to be like i don't have to worry about the systematic oppression of certain types of people in hollywood because awards don't matter mm-hmm. who cares if it's a good movie you know it's a good movie no when you have li- the literal academy refusing to acknowledge the accomplishments of different types of people then that's how you end up with Meryl Streep winning a fucking Academy Award every time she's in a movie. <laughs> the Oscars kind of like like these awards ceremonies make themselves important. Like they just like they kind of do like the fake it till you make it thing. Like they pretend to be important, but by pretending so hard, they kind of make themselves important, and we cover them. And you can't just pretend they're not important and make their importance go away. Like they matter, and we have to deal with that. And it matters like who wins and how we deal with it. And when the Hollywood Reporter has a cover full of all white women because they couldn't find any black actresses who were actually like in the running for awards. That's a problem. That matters. Like, and it's yeah. important that we talk about that. What pe- yeah. So what people forget again, that we talk about this a lot is that representation matters. And by pretending that an award doesn't matter, it's basically like being like, yes, young, like, yes, young person of said, you know, like minority or whatever. Your representation is not important because don't worry, awards don't matter. It's definitely not the metric for like how people get jobs and acclaim and better paychecks later in this industry. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, it's I don't know. I just feel like it's such a stupidly cynical and lazy way to look at it. Agreed. Yeah, Agreed. pretty much. Speaking <laughs> speaking of uh, small bit parts that uh, that represent uh, Walter Cronkite's daughter is in this movie. Yes. Yeah. So representing some a, a bit of the actual uh, industry, they're critiquing hmm. a little bit. I thought that was that was interesting. Um, 
Oh, and also, we mentioned how, like, I don't want to just pick on Beatrice Strait here. Ned Beatty was nominated for an Academy Award he, for a Supporting Actor. He just didn't win. The guy who gives Beale the, uh, the spiel about how... The guy who basically places himself as the religious fig- figure and gets Beale talking in a different, more depressing yeah. direction. Another really good scene for five minutes that he got nominated for. That was one of those scenes that had the really interesting tracking shot where the yeah. camera shot like diagonally across the table without that a whole, lamp. That whole con- like that that was like that anything involving that room was where Lumet got to be a little more showy. Like that movie, that scene looked like the conference room from hell earlier. And then it goes there where it gets really like he is larger than life, like this religious figure speaking. And it's well, just... and also, so I was going to save this for my trivia, but there's like so much interesting trivia about this movie. It doesn't really matter. Um, I can just pick another one. But so what that's that was actually an intentional decision, because in the beginning he had it uh, set up so that he used uh, not as much. Uh, not as much light and filming it more like a documentary and as it progressed they used more lights and more cameras and more angles to make it like that slick like super television style production so like Mm. by the time you get to that scene we're kind of in like the thick of that yeah i and like that was something i could not have i could not have put my finger on that on my own necessarily but as soon as i read that i'm like that it's like from the very at the very opening shot it looks very like lived in like a document like it is like very straightforward and like like a newsroom kind of but um yeah i really like that i'm glad you said that because that was a really interesting thing to notice another thing i want to point out about this movie that kind of rings very closely to what this podcast holds dear we have mentioned several times how it's important to criticize everything even the things you like and that is another reason this movie actually works for me. Whereas even though I resist the old man shakes hand at cloud, this movie is kind of just like criticizing everything. And while I don't go as far to be like, television is the end of everything. It is ruining all of us and stuff. I do appreciate the kind of takes where it's like, you know, sometimes all of this stuff is bad. Like, and that's where I appreciate this movie because I'm like, you know, I love television, but there are certain elements of this that are very true, and it's important to recognize those elements. I, I, I think it, it it goes on and hammers the same point that I think uh, the more recent movie Nightcrawler tries to make, where people just want to see bad and angry and like. I mean, this one kind of feigns more towards like they're desensitized to it; they don't care. So, it, I, I. Th- I think it's still it started off at least in my head where they were just like that's that's what made the news that's what they wanted they just they want the ratings so they'll they'll show the terrible things but I think there's an aspect I I tried googling to see if anyone else agreed with me but I think there's a lot of maybe even like nihilism in the movie I I was reading a bit of the the writer and he was kind of saying you know it's not necessarily a satire it's just kind of how things are and we're like making a point at that it's not supposed to be like directed just at the news industry but i i think there's kind of a bit of just like it's all bad and it's what you make of it i guess i feel like it's, it's very... really i feel like it's really similar with how like older people feel about us and social media in a way yeah well like i would never i don't necessarily perceive social media as a bad thing ever like i would argue nine times out of ten that social media is a really great tool that we've been given Mm -hmm. and 
but I would also argue that television is a really great tool that we've been given. But obviously, from like that older generational standpoint, it's really hard for them to see that because of that old man shakes fist at cloud dealio we got going on. So I don't think it's I think it's kind of that generational divide where they're more apt to see this very dark side of it and completely yeah. ignore any good that comes from it. And so I it definitely is very nihilistic and really kind of defeatist in a way. Like oh. if you can't accept if you can't accept uh, the the good that comes along with the bad, then you're kind of just like shooting yourself in the foot the yeah. whole time. And the the weird thing is also just nothing happens in this movie on a whole. It it's a cycle. Um and I, I well the the only thing that I, I wrote down in my notes that truly happens is that, you know, in the beginning Howard is like, I, I'm gonna kill myself on the air uh i want to die and they're like no 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 you can't do that let us make some money off of and i first. love how he's kind of just like and then we can all kill right you. <laughs> yeah I, I thought it was kind of strange that he was like so easily talked out of that i thought it was funny how nobody in the newsroom was paying attention and no like two people noticed it i'm like you're all very bad at your jobs but um going off the points you were making i want a positive thing so, in one way, this movie is very prescient, intentionally or not, because it is still applicable today with, like, different mediums. In the same way, we could kind of take that as, yeah, we will always have these tools, and there will always be very positive ways they, they can be used, but they will also be, like, people will capitalize on them and go, to, and go to the lowest common denominator or the easiest thing to try to monopolize them or to capitalize on them capitalism so in a way that almost makes this movie it makes this movie like timeless but also kind of irrelevant like almost like of course yeah like because it makes such a big deal about how it's television but it's really anything at any time you can make this case the case this movie makes about television about anything whether it be internet or social media or how you could probably make it about like you could you could probably could have made it about newspapers at some point you can make it about anything I also think it's really interesting if you know, because what we talked about, it's a bunch of old white dudes in Faye Dunaway, like, making all of this happen. So I think it's really interesting that this generation that supposedly is like, ah, the world's all like this now and yada yada are usually the ones kind of perpetrating this against us. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I feel like generally, this is maybe a little bit of a tangent, but I feel like generally young people are more likely to use the positive aspects of whatever the new technology is television social Mm. media the internet whatever and use it to like the most of the young people that i know are like online activists in ways like they write essays they try to do what they can to change the world around them it's the old people that are trying to like commodify it and sell it back to us and you could make the point that those young people who aren't learned it from the older people or from the system set up by the older people exactly most of our like that so many of our negative traits and tendencies are just like we learned them by being in this system that already had those and we just they just evolve they manifest in different ways in us because we grow up differently and have this other technology Mm -hmm. it's the side effects of the capitalist hellscape we live in yes (laughs) capitalist hellscape (laughs) that's my answer to why everything is bad ever somebody will be like why is this happening and i'll be like capitalist hellscape (laughs) racism sexism homophobia capitalist hellscape yeah i mean that's pretty much all of the problems we face in modern society there's a thing for every different topic (laughs) (laughs) it's like ah it's the most negative hateful thing 
That's why. <laughs> oh, bummer. But, yeah, that's why... And that, that was getting more into the things that I thought maybe made me think I might not like this movie as much was how it's so very negative. I'm like, yeah, calm the fuck down. <laughs> it, it, it wouldn't be such a, like, it works, but it wouldn't be such an issue if they, I, I think there's too much yelling in this movie. <laughs> I think there are other ways to convey anger. There were definitely times when I was a little bit worried about voice. our apartment neighbors. I was like, should we maybe turn this down? Or I think that's another reason Faye, I really like Faye Dunaway's characters, because like, like it's just like everybody yeah like robert duvall and uh peter finch are both just yelling the whole time and i mean william holden isn't that far off he's pretty close to yelling but too. pretty close to it oh god that dude is so smug and self-satisfied at the end i was just like oh fuck off nobody likes honestly you here's the thing like regardless of what he thinks her character's gonna be fine. Yeah, she's she is literally fine. okay. So when when they were working, <laughs> but when, sorry, she's good at her job. No, well, here's the thing: is like when they were doing like pre preliminary like readings and stuff like that. Sydney Lumet told Faye Dunaway not even to bother asking about a weakness or anything because she has no weakness. Mm-hmm. She is just like a shark. She's good at her job. That's what she cares about the most in life. So like she's gonna be fine. Like just because she doesn't gonna she's not gonna have like the kind of life that he wants. He perceives that as a failure and it's not at all. She's gonna mm-hmm. have exactly the kind of life that she wants and she's gonna be great at it. All right, I was gonna say question for you too. So I think a lot of the what you take from this movie is determined by what how you feel that the William Holden character is portrayed because he if anyone is going to be he is the one who's going to be sanctimonious and he's like the the righteous moral man at the center of this. And so my question is how do you feel the movie portrays him? Do you think he is like the right it portrays him as the right white knight, like the upstanding guy? Is he a dupe? Is he just like another flawed person in the middle of all this who just happens to have a little bit of moral backbone or like how do you feel the movie portrays him because i feel like a lot of it hinges uh, on that i think me so you're kind of say he's he's kind of supposed to be like maybe not the, the like what what do you think the movie is saying he is I think he's a hypocritical bastard. Okay. <laughs> like, like that's what I think he is too, but I'm like, is that what the movie's saying? I think he's really slimy. I think that, I don't think that's what they're trying to say at all. I think he is supposed to be like perceived as the white knight of the whole situation or whatever to call out these like heartless, callous network shills. But I think he's a, he's a smug, hypocritical bastard. He cheats on his wife. He's just as bad as the rest of them. He tries to come off all self-satisfied to Faye Dunaway in the end. And it's almost like the entire relationship he built with yeah, her was so he could tell her off at the end. Because he knew there was no way that that was going to last. Honestly, like, you were saying like I don't they know. don't treat Faye Dunaway's character as being cold. He is, he is the cold, like that when they're breaking up. Like, imagine saying that to a real person. Like, it's cold. He is... Yeah. She's... Yeah, she's actually emotionally affected. And he's just kind of like, well, you're a bitch and I'm done with this, I guess. Like... You know what he is? He's a fucking nice guy. Oh, my God. The way he breaks up with his wife, where he's like, I'm sorry. This is just the way it is. And I want to <laughs> do right by you and all that stuff. And, and, uh, yeah, I... I and Go with ahead, this Jordan. kind of movie where it's kind of poking at everything, there really can't be a character that you are supposed to identify with. Or you can like kind of root for people in your own way, but you're not supposed to be like, yes, I see parts of myself in you. 
Like, so he he can't be that. He's got to be another no, another part of the problem. I think this movie is condemning him a little bit more and that he's not like, and that he's not totally the white knight because they do have him cheat on his wife. And like, just the, like just the way they have him speak to them. It doesn't feel like, it doesn't feel like a gotcha moment or anything where he's breaking up with his wife. Like he's clearly the bad guy in that scene. It's almost like he's like, and, Oh, I am inevitably this. Yeah. And even with the part with Faye Dunaway at the end, like, he clearly thinks he's like the upright thing, but I don't know. I don't know that the movie it paints him as a good figure for pointing out those things. Like, even if it's saying he's right about like the media and all that, I'm not sure that it's saying he's a good guy. And because, like I said, I feel like if the movie treated him completely and wholly like a white knight, that yeah. would be a problem because <laughs> nobody likes that guy. And, and that guy is never as good as he thinks he is. And I think that's part of the movie is like that dude thinks he's so great, but he's not he's as not great as he thinks friend. he is. Like yeah. he keeps saying like, oh, I'm Walter's best friend, but he, he lose, he, he doesn't do anything for him. Like he's, he's not a good friend. <laughs> he's not good at anything. He's not <laughs> he's good at anything. Fired. Yeah. He gets fired. He's not a good friend. He's not a good husband. He's ultimately not a great like lover, apparently. But don't impugn <laughs> his cockmanship. Yes, his co- his Oh, that's the only thing that makes it like that's that's the big thing is like that line, which is a good line, but like that part at the end there is where it's like, oh, now it seems like a little like he's getting away with it. But for the most part, I do think he's supposed to be Maybe not as much of a bastard as the rest of them, but like still kind of a bastard. We the system yeah. turned him back. This He's movie's more about the system than the people. Yeah, almost like a David Simon joint. Right. I think I think <laughs> you, you you will both agree with me on this. The biggest problem with this movie is that we do not get enough of the other segments on the Howard Beale show. Um, this is true. We never There's see the a single one of them. There's the one with the skeletons in the closet. What the fuck even is that? What does that mean? <laughs> I'm hoping it's like, I don't know, it's like the LGBT section. <laughs> like, yeah, so we only get a couple looks at his show, but by the end it's like, wow, this thing has really been blown out and this thing is like a cultural phenomenon. It's like the voice of its time. And or like the never... American Idol of 2000 of its time. Yeah, but like, yeah, so it's really weird that there's never even like a glimpse at the other segments of the show. What I also think is weird is that they introduce everybody else and then they do his segment. And I don't, it just kind of like the way that they do it is they have his speech and then he falls down and it kind of looks like that's the end of the show. So I'm like, do the other people even get to they, do it? They probably cut to it. I don't know. I, that's honestly, it, they should. I want a sequel. I want a sequel. I want a spinoff. All about the side segments. It would be like the episode of Parks and Rec where they just Johnny do Karate. an episode yes. of Johnny Karate. It could be, be about how cutthroat it is in front of the television camera. And it's about all the different segments vying to become the next B. It's actually just the Hunger They're like, no. I- <laughs> that was my biggest I mean, they were willing to assassinate him on camera, so why not? Right. Uh, actually, you know the thing he was the thing he was saying at the beginning. He was just like he didn't call it the atrocity of the week, but it's like when they're talking about like it's a suicide every day or whatever. Like that's the that's the sequel to this movie. Just 
they start killing off the members of the, the Hunger rest of- Games is the sequel to Network. This is canon. That's the episode name. <laughs> I mean, I feel like Patty Chayefsky would really he would really feel that about the Hunger Games movie. He's like, yo, yo, you all think this is just he'd he'd also definitely yeah, say he'd yo. Pro- he'd say yo. <laughs> he probably yo, wrote yo, Hunger yo. Games fan fiction. He, or he would. Before I'm it's just, time. I'm just saying. He'd be like, you, you think this you is think young was... adult fiction, but this is what we're headed for, all right? Like, we are so close to gladiatorial combat. We had a show called American Gladiators. Do you think that he was Team Gale or Team PETA? Uh, oh, he was totally... Well, you know, I think he'd be like... He'd be Team PETA, but he'd be like, Gale is obviously going to win because the world is terrible. <laughs> Except he'd say it very artistically, and I'd be like, man, you know, I disagree with kind of your viewpoint. I think you're a little too dark, but, like, you say it so well. Like, I, yeah, all right. So given this ridiculous tangent, it seems like maybe we are headed to the end of the discussion. (laughs) I mean, I will not disagree. (laughs) Jordan, did you have any, like, final points or closing soliloquies with large words to make? Absolutely not. That has never been my strong suit. Um... We picked the wrong Absolutely. You know what? <laughs> oh my gosh. Michaela, did you have any last points? Uh, I feel like I pretty well summed up all of my points. My, uh, la- my last points are two quotes. Cool. Mine is, nobody wants a book about the early days of television. That is patently untrue. He is very wrong. People <laughs> want a lot of books about television any days of television and also i missed this quote i think it's a quote otherwise it's just me putting a quote in his brain but i just want you to love me nice guy schumacher he just wanted her to love him yeah so he just wanted her to love him more it's true she told him from the beginning she couldn't get him back uh, okay it's anyways. almost like if he had just listened to her he would have understood the terms of their relationship wow. this is also the prequel to 500 days of summer so oh, 500 geez. days of Great summer movie. is the prequel then you have network and then you have the hunger games network like, is everything it makes perfect sense network is everything <laughs> all about the network anyways let's uh let's move over to recommendations jordan why don't you give us a couple recommendations or one, one, one recommendation, recommendation whatever you want no i'm two sticking with ones um I cannot promise you that you will enjoy this show. Uh, but there's a man named Aaron Sorkin. Um, <laughs> and he made a show called The Newsroom. And it stars Jeff Bridges Ugh. from the beloved Tron Sorry. movie. Uh, <laughs> that is a good callback. Thank welcome. you. And uh, it, it, too, is about news. Uh, no, one is, no one is killed on air. But they talk a lot and really, fat, really fast and use a lot of big words uh, similar to this movie. Uh, a different way, a uh, famous way, um, the Sorkin way. Um, <laughs> I, sorry, that should get patented, the Sorkin way. Um, God, no, don't <laughs> inflate his ego any more than it already is, please. Uh, so I, I think you should take a look and judge it uh, for yourself. Um, if you like if you like it when people say stuff really fast, you'll love it, obviously. Um, and God, I can't, I can't remember who actually does a good job in that show um the here's the thing as much as i dislike aaron sorkin his stuff is always like it's popcorn the people that are given the scripts always do a good job with it yeah yeah 
my my main issue with him is that he is just so self-congratulatory. Like, I tweeted while we were watching this. I was like, we're watching this movie, and it's apparently Aaron Sorkin's favorite movie, and I can literally imagine him jerking off to it. <laughs> but it's also, it's also Paul Thomas Anderson's favorite movie. Which also and, makes sense, but in different ways. But Paul Thomas Anderson is a genius. It all comes back to that work. <laughs> network is everything Spielberg is also network somehow I, I recommend the movie network as my recommendation based off the movie network <laughs> <laughs> that's where I'm at everything else you watch will be network anyway so you just, just watch just this watch again Thro- burn, burn all your other media <laughs> just the one DVD copy of network absolutely so, yeah, somewhat hypocritically, uh, I am suggesting The Social Network, which was also written by Aaron Sorkin. Also has Network in the title. But somehow it has what? Network in the title. Yeah, also is kind of a network sequel if you think about it because it's about, you know, social media and not television. But, yeah, so uh, it's another, as you can tell, we are big fans of David Fincher on this podcast, me in particular, for some reason. No, I really <laughs> it like really, David It defies too. all logic about me, though, really, that I like him so much. But, um, <laughs> you know, it's not that he's a very... He's a very masculine director, but that doesn't turn it. That usually We've does not make We've had this conversation. Him, yeah, it's yeah, fine. Yeah, yeah. But, um, fine. yeah, so The Social Network is... Uh, we talked about it in the train spotting episode how it was a movie that like kind of came out of nowhere and was an amazing experience that n- <laughs> almost nobody, nobody was expecting. Asked I think for it. It Facebook like, movie, the Facebook movie. <laughs> nobody asked. For- we actually probably asked to not get that movie, and we were wrong. But yeah, we were so wrong. it it very much feels like a natural progression from this sort of like television thing to this social media thing and also the writing is quick pace smart and has lots of big words in it because fuck you Aaron Sorkin you goddamn (laughs) she hates you for making you like yourself pretty much honestly that's 90% of what it is it's because he's like he it's it's kind of like the Nick Pazzolato issue except I would prefer anything Aaron Sorkin does to anything Nick Pazzolato does (laughs) Anyway, Tyler, you had that one season of True Detective. Also, just remember when you say nobody asked for a Facebook movie, but then we love the Facebook movie. Just remember that when the Angry Birds movie draws near, <laughs> or about how nobody really asked for a Steve Jobs movie when we got like fifteen of them for some reason. Okay, but like Danny Boyle and Michael Fassbender, it's supposed to be really, really, really good. How was the box office on that? Oh, are we going to go by box office as no. a reflection of artistic quality? Yeah. Because if I'm we kidding. go by that, Friends with Benefits is supposed to be better or worse than No Strings Attached, <laughs> which is not true. Uh, which is just not, not true. true. Mm. It's just it's not preposterous. true. Sorry, I had to sneak anyway, Tyler, what is your recommendation? My recommendation is also a movie about making things, except there's a movie about making movies. And it is directed by the man who, one of his favorite movies is Network. Paul Thomas Anderson's Boogie Nights. That is a good suggestion. That is a great movie. I was not expecting that. (laughs) That is a great movie. Uh, It gets one of Mark Wahlberg's best performances, which if you ever get a great... Mark Wahlberg has a good sense of himself now, but I still think it's impressive, especially back then, to get such a good performance out of the Mark Wahlberg. It also has some great Philip Seymour Hoffman, and just, it's, Paul Thomas Anderson is one of our greatest working directors. He's one of those where literally anything he makes is worth checking out, and that movie especially is 
just so very, very good. So definitely, definitely check out Boogie Nights if you have not seen it yet. And also you want to see Mark Wahlberg's giant fake dick. <laughs> Oh my god. <laughs> that's Alrighty. really that's really the cap sure to it. That's why that. that's really the cap to it. <laughs> <laughs> that's the tagline of this of this episode. Mark Wahlberg's That's the that. explicit tag right there. That's yeah. the line that got the explicit tag. Yeah. Oh but, yeah. Uh, yes. Anyway, speaking of Mark Wahlberg's giant fake dick, Kayla, what is our trivia for the week? Uh, okay. The trivia for the week is so William Holden really did not want to do that sex scene with Faye Dunaway because he's an old school guy. He felt he mostly felt that like on camera sex scenes were pornographic, but he decided that it was necessary to show the flaw in her character that she literally just can't shut up for like two seconds about network ratings and all that. And the fact that she climaxes to the thought of getting better uh, ratings than Watergate. And uh, so his direct quote was, if nobody had been in bed on the screen before, I might have hesitated. But he went with it, understanding that the scene was not meant to be pornographic. It was meant to disclose this character flaw. And he did say that it was supposed to be funnier than it turned <laughs> out. <laughs> you know what William Holden, or who William Holden sound looks like? His character in the movie Network. <laughs> God, William Holden is Network. Wow, really well casted. They, it's almost like they casted a uptight old school old man to play this uptight old school old man yeah i'm really he is an old man and i'm very confused because he refers to himself as middle-aged and i'm like sir you are not middle-aged are you because he yeah i was real confused by that to be honest <laughs> but yeah anyway tyler stat of the week please My stat of the week is a uh, pretty simple one sydney lament has three movies on the imdb 250 and they were all the ones that you'd expect network 12 Angry Men, and Dog Day Afternoon. So we'll be talking about Sidney Lumet again. Uh, and I look forward to that. That is our show. Yes. So, <laughs> in that seamless and amazing transition. Thank you. Uh, Jordan, thank you very much well, for joining us. Thank you for having us. me. It was a lot of fun. It was extremely lovely um if any of you listening are at all looking to get a hold of us for any reason uh we have an email which is ltrfipod at gmail.com probably the more fun and interactive way to get a hold of us would be our twitter which is also ltrfipod um tyler and i mostly fight about chris evans like on the same twitter it's really chris good pine chris now. pine now <laughs> uh we have a facebook page which is facebook.com slash let the right films in uh we'll be posting like interesting news updates and stuff on there as well as obviously the links to our episodes we have a tumblr which is let the right films where we post all of our show notes uh reblog like interesting fun posters stuff like that and you can find us on iTunes. We would really appreciate it if you would download and or rate us on iTunes because that would be really cool. Uh, we have a SoundCloud. We are available on all of your favorite podcast apps. And new this week, I we do not have a letterbox for the podcast, but I personally do have a letterbox. Tyler Tells Tales, if you want to find it. But I have started a list of all the movies we have covered so far on the podcast with links to the podcast a little summary so if you want to follow that list or just to follow me on letterbox we'll be uh talking about of let the right film stuff out of that as well so yeah there's like 
really just a myriad of ways that you can get in contact with us if you feel we've been so talking about it for like 20 <laughs> minutes yes <laughs> so uh yes uh in conclusion my phone number is oh my god a uh, great joke so yes uh chris evans will always be better than chris Ooh, pine oh and god. we will see you next week with which movie are we doing next week that's not fair and also we haven't picked one yet we haven't picked one yet but anyway chris evans over chris pine peace ouch <laughs> jurassic world is a terrible movie and always will be Take this from me. (laughs) (laughs) Oh man, we should do that every week. I like that. The Chris, you know, for the first fifteen episodes, we had Chris Evans, and now we have the Chris Pine. I will never let this happen. So we're working at work. I was so scared that Jordan was conspiring against me. (laughs) I'm sorry I I took that over, but I just, I was just so happy when you said Chris Pine. (laughs) This was not premeditated. This just happened. Uh, no, right. it wasn't premeditated. So Jordan can never be on the podcast again. <laughs> <laughs>